Have you ever met someone and instantly thought, man, I wish I could just bottle the way they're making me feel right now because they have that unique ability to make anybody, even if they just met you, feel like a somebody. You know, they just have a good aura about them. That's what you're going to get to hear today combined with a healthy dose of Jesus and the cowgirl state of mind put to action from my friend Joni Nash. She's a Georgia native that has been residing in Oklahoma for the past 20 years. And y'all, she is just such a gift, you know, the way that she shares her story. So whether you are sitting, you know, on half full with your emotional tank or running on E, sister, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for taking the time to like, share, leave a review. This podcast has been such a blessing to me, and I pray that it is a blessing to you today. Now, episode number 40 with Miss Joni Nash. Hey, y'all, and welcome. You're listening to the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Dawn Johnson, small-town cowgirl with Southern roots, blazing a trail as a Midwest ranch wife, mama, and businesswoman. The mission of Cowgirl Confessions is to share the wonderfully wild and Western life stories of cowgirls from all walks of life. We'll talk about the highs, the lows, and everything in between when it comes to navigating careers, cowboys, kids, and cattle. Legendary cowgirl Dell Evans said it best, Cowgirl is a pioneer spirit, a special brand of American courage. The cowgirl faces life head on, lives by her own lights, and makes no excuses. Cowgirls take stands, they speak up, they defend the things they hold dear. A cowgirl might be a rancher, a barrel racer, a bull rider, or an actress, but she's just as likely to be a checker at the local Winn-Dixie, a full-time mother, a banker, an attorney, or an astronaut. If you're into wet saddle blankets, talks with God, buckets full of laughter, and the life lessons learned in the process, kick off your boots and settle in. I pray these stories encourage, empower, and give you just the leg up you need. Here's to embracing the cowgirl state of mind, no matter how wild and western life may get along the way. Good morning, y'all. It is so good to be back for another episode of the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am just thrilled to be having my coffee um, with my good friend, Joni Nash. And, you know, she is a Georgia native, but has been an Oklahoma gal for a few years now. And many of you may have had the opportunity to see Joni in action. She has been a freelance auctioneer for the past 17 years. She also has been the executive director at the Pawhuska Chamber of Commerce, as well as the economic development director for the city of Pawhuska. And um, most recently, she is now the owner and operator at the Koi T Ranch. This gal is just literally an all-around cowgirl. You know, I, I just look up to her and admire her so much and her love for Jesus and the way that she shares it with people. So uh, I know y'all are going to enjoy getting to just hear bits and pieces of her story today. Joni, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you, Dakota. I'm excited to, to get to visit with you and um, excited to talk to your listeners. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, Joni, one of the things that I, I love so much is that 
you just have, you're one of those that I, I love listening to you pray. And so I, I just really want this episode to bless the people listening. And so would you mind kicking us off this morning with a little prayer? Me too, but uh, for whatever reason, everything you said made my eyes water. So anyway, okay, so here we go. So thank you everybody for joining us. And I'm just going to uh, ask you that if you're listening, I just want you to keep doing what you're doing, but just pray along with us. So Father God, we just say how much we love you and praise you. And I thank you so much for this opportunity. And I, I just thank you for how cool technology is, Lord, that even when we're miles apart, we can come together and go before our Father, our lover of our soul, Father, our creator, and just um, be together in your presence. So Lord, we just invite you into this time. I pray that everything that is spoken here is just straight from you, Father. I pray that it uh, represents you, Father, that everyone that is a part of this today, that they are blessed in some way. And I pray that that people see more of you, Father, and less of Dakota and I, Father, that you get the glory in everything we say and do. So we just commit this time to you now. We ask that you just have your way and Father, do what only you can do. And we love you and praise you and thank you so much for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Joni, what would you say to somebody that is interested in basically doing what you do or a little bit of what you do that wants to be an auctioneer or would like to work, um, you know, in a position with their city or travel? Um, I mean, you just do all the things. So (laughs) I I get that question right now. That's funny because I've been for whatever reason in the season, I've gotten that question a lot like what do you do? <laughs> so um, I've always been in non, I say always, for the last 20 years, I've been in um, nonprofit and probably the last 15, I've been in nonprofit management where I've managed, um, you know, nonprofit organizations and it's all been ran on volunteer basis. So that in itself has been a really good education. And I've, I've always had more than one job. And um, so now that I've stepped out of that, I call my town job, um, I've stepped out of that town position. I'm no longer with the Pahuska Chamber of Commerce. I am able to do the things I've always done, but just do more of it. So the auctioneering thing started when I was in college and I didn't know any other auctioneers. Most auctioneers or people in that business, it's a family thing. And so they, their granddad was an auctioneer. Their dad was an auctioneer. You know, somewhere their family had an auction company. They grew up in a sale barn. I don't know, but everybody had a story. That was not me. Um, I had moved out to Oklahoma 20 years ago and I had enough money for my first year of college and my folks, you know, which had planned to help me through school. When I decided to go out of state to school, they said, well, Joni, you know, you can go over here to the university of Georgia. And I had a scholarship to go there. So financially to go out of state did not make any sense, but I can tell you that was the one time in my life that if God's ever wrote on the walls and made it super clear that what I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to go, I knew that I was to go out of state to college. Um, I wasn't sure where, so I got a list of the top um, schools. I was a speech pathology major, which is um, speech therapy. I chose that because I knew I wanted to live rural and everywhere that rural there's within somewhere there's a school or a hospital and you can work in a speech path field in either of those. So that was my plan. That was before you could work that was a lot before, like how everybody worked through the internet. <laughs> that's how yes. old I am, but that's why I chose that. So anyway, I got a list of the top 20 schools and there was Oklahoma state on there. Well, I didn't even know what the mascot was. They didn't have a, 
they did not have a national football program at the time. So, and I'm from the SEC, like you base the college on school, I mean, on football. So I didn't know anything about Oklahoma State, but for six months of praying, um, God just made it very clear. And I, I needed that because there were so many nights that I cried myself to sleep for a long time, a long time. Um, and I needed that conviction that I knew I was doing what I was called to do. And um, so I didn't duck my tail and run home. But all that to say, I had enough money for my first year. My folks said, you know, we'll we'll help you as much as we would help you here, but we're not doing an out-of-state tuition. That's on you. So I honestly thought I had one year of school um, saved up and then I would be going back home. But after my first year of school, I was at a horse sale up in Miami, Oklahoma. I was with my friend Lacey Del Cully at the time, it's now Grasha, and I started, I was bored, I didn't have any money, so I started imitating the auctioneer, just kind of quietly under my breath a little bit, and Lacey heard me, she starts, she's like, oh my god, taking people anyway, and so um, she's like, you need to do that, and I was like, no, I'm, that's silly, and she stayed on me for a little bit, and I said, Lacey, I am I just said, I'm a single white female. Like those aren't auctioneers. Like that's an old man gig, you know, like I'm not an old man. And anyway, that summer I decided to go to Montana to Western College of Auctioneering. My dad made a deal with me because I didn't have any money. And he said, I'll make a deal with you. He's like, which floored me because of what I just told you about the tuition deal. He said, if you, you pick where you want to go and I will pay for your room and board and everything it takes to get you there. He said, but you've got a year to make it back in the auction business. And he said, if you um, make it back, you don't owe me a penny, but if it goes to waste and you don't use it and you don't make that money back, then you owe me every penny. Well, I just kind of <laughs> don't, I just said, okay, well, I hope you take payments, you know? And um, sure enough, I came home and my phone started ringing and like my second auction, I was, I sold a pair of boots to Jewel, like the singer, you know I mean? It was just, I was at the Cowboy Hall of Fame. Like it was just crazy the doors that got opened when I got home and, um, I never saw that coming and it turned out to be during the school week I would work my regular college jobs I, I did everything I waited tables I worked in my apartment complex I taught aerobics I would clean a house or two I um, worked with a kid with special needs and then on the weekends I would go auctioneer and I had a couple guys I worked for one of them is the company I work for now out of Washington State so sometimes I would even fly somewhere on the weekends and so it was just crazy how God used that as a provision for where he calls you, he provides. And I, I literally had enough money for that first year, but he gave me that trade, that gift. I was able to like step into it and still work my tail off like I'd planned on doing. But then on the weekends, I would make as much in, as I did in the week that working all of that for one gig. And then um, I was able to pay my way through school. And I never, because anytime I go to take out loans, I would get like physically sick. And I, I thought, you know, this is a normal thing. Why can't I take out loans? But God wanted to do it a different way. And um, he did. He proved himself faithful. And so I, ever since then, it has been um, a, a provisional thing for me. And then um, I, when I, the day I enrolled in Bible college after a few years later, my phone rang three times that day and it was all new auctions. Nobody I'd ever done before. I don't advertise. I just word of mouth kind of thing. And um, so it picked up again and I was going full-time again, apart from my regular work um, and it paid for my second tuition. And so it's, it's been a blessing. It's been a gift um, up until now. It's not something that I've uh, 
done full time, which, you know, that's been, um, you know, I, I learned, I had a guy to tell me this one time, he said, God gives you things, but you got to ask him how he wants you to use them. You know, so for so many years, he showed me that, that I was only to use this as supplemental and, and not pursue it in a full time. So I've been very cognizant of that. But um, anyway, it's been good to me. And, you know, a lot of times we don't have those, most of us don't have like a checkbook that we can go write, you know, a six figure check to an organization that we believe in. But the auctioneering is intrinsically rewarding to me because I can't do that. But because of my skill and the gift that God has given me, I can help an organization get there. And so after in college, I did everything I did. Uh, I didn't turn anything down. I did livestock. I did heavy equipment. I did um, whatever I was hired to do. And then now over the years, I've honed in to um, the gala type ballroom auctions, not uh, nonprofit uh, benefit. And the two companies I work for, that's their specialty. And then that's what I do on my freelance stuff. So um, it's a different type of auctions. Um, the chance a little slower, your buyers aren't I call professional buyers you know like when you go to what like a car auction or something those guys are there every week that's their job when you go to a nonprofit gala auction you know you have a lady that may never have been a, at an auction before and she's trying to bid against herself you know so it's a completely different and you have to be entertaining and all that so it's a different deal but for me it, it's um, kind of turned into my niche so that is how I got into the auction business <laughs> first time I ever saw you, you were auctioneering for, um, Miss, Miss Rodeo Oklahoma organization. And I thought, I don't know this woman, but I'm going to know her before tonight's over because Aww. you just, um, like you said, you, you were entertaining, you made it fun. And, and I knew before I ever knew that you weren't from Oklahoma. Um, I was like, this girl has got to be from the South somewhere. Cause growing up down <laughs> here, you can just spot it. I mean, you just kind of know some like, and, and I was like, the writing is on the wall. We, we should be best friends. Um, yes. So I yes. agree. <laughs> Okay. I know I've, I've lost a lot of my accent, but I still get asked because I know this because I used to get asked every day. And ever since I've lived up in northern Oklahoma, it's changed a lot, um, which is fine. You know, I guess I don't need as many subtitles sometimes when I travel places. But uh, but yeah, so I still got it. I don't want to lose it because it's my heritage and my you know upbringing. But at the same time, I know it's kind of morphed a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I still get that question. I mean, I've been in, I lived in Oklahoma for like six years and then I've been in Kansas for going on six years now. And, you know, I'll be like in Subway ordering something and they'll go, where are you from? And I'll say Kansas. <laughs> and they're like, no, where are you from? Mm -hmm. I'm like, Don't you know, Alabama. So <laughs> I know. And you hate to ask, like when people ask me that and Dakota, you can totally relate to this. When people ask me that, I'm like, okay, are you, is it conversation or do you want to know why I talk like I do? And I exactly. just say that. I'm like, okay, why, do you, are you asking because I talk funny? Because, you know, so, but there's, <laughs> you know, you just want to know why people ask. If you, if you know why they're asking, you can answer their question, you know? But. Yes. Yes. I want to dig a little deeper on that one because you, um, on that question from before, because we were visiting before we started, I should have pushed record, you know, 30 minutes ago, because so much good <laughs> came out of that too. We were talking about your mom. And when she gave you just excellent advice one time, when you basically called her being like, mom, what, what advice do you have for me? Like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I called her crying. I called her crying. That's what I did. 
No, I was, I remember that I was like 23 years old. And um, my last year of college, I went part-time because I, again, I hadn't taken out any loans and I was so close to graduating, but I needed, you know, the extra money. So I went part-time and stretched it out longer, which was fine, you know, and I was working for a guy and he, I was in this old house and to describe it, y'all think I'm making this up, but this house had been locked up for like, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Like it was just a time capsule. And they just left me. I, they went to another house to clean up or something. And we were supposed to do a sale there that night and, or the next day or something. And they left me to box stuff and do what you would normally do in like the most horrible, horrendous state sale type thing. <laughs> well, I paid dues, man. I paid dues. But um, anyway, uh, I remember this. Can you imagine going into a house like 24 years old? It is hot. There is no air. It is like heat of all, you know, uh, Oklahoma heat and you can imagine like the critters that are in this house that have just like taken up there and I just left with this like overwhelming task and I call mama crying and I was like what 23 year old college girl is locked up in a house it's been locked up for 20 years doing this real rat poop you know and she just was like Tony you know what, you're not going to be in this position forever. And it's providing you to be able to do what you wanted to do, to do what, you know, God's called you to do. You're not going to be in that house forever. You're not even going to be doing that type of work forever. But when you get this done, you can look back and say, I've done that and nobody can take this from you. So pay your dues, do the test that's been in front of you. You're not above any job. That's a big one. And, mm -hmm. um, and do it. And like, I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna dry my eyes. I'm going down to Wendy's and get me a hamburger and I'm gonna come back here and I'm gonna work like this is the best job I've ever done. And I, she jerked the knot in my tail in every way. And it like, it was like Popeye's spinach kind of thing. You know, like <laughs> I was like, I've got this, you know? And so I turned that job in and I've never, I just, it was, I was so thankful for her to speak truth into me in that moment because that's a big thing. It's like, we're not above any job. And that's where I learned you've got to do the things that nobody else wants to do. You know, had I not like, you know, I could have walked away from that or never gone back to that job once I finished, you know, but it was, I know that that was just as important as getting to sell that $5,000 pair of custom boots to Jewel or whatever it was. You know, it, it's like, if God can trust you with the little, then he can trust you with the much. And you have to show yourself faithful in, in all things, you know? And so to me, that was a, a pivotal um, day for me um, professionally, but even personally. And um, God used that nasty old house to, you know, like I said, that sticks out to me that day and just what my mama spoke into my life. And um, I've taken that with me. And that was 20 years ago, you know, or 17, 17 years ago. Oh, I, I love that. And it's so, it's just so important that we, we have somebody speaking truth into us and Tony are there any you know other people or resources that have really helped you along this journey well that's something that I'm that's an area that I'm pretty passionate about and intentional with um when I moved you know 20 years old moving out of state a thousand miles away before FaceTime before it really even cell phones were that I mean we had the little flip phones and um you know, I realized when I got out here, I was like, okay, God, like, it's literally me and you, you know, I knew Lacey and she was two hours away, but that was it. And I asked God then, I said, God, I need you to handpick my people. 
like, I need you to handpick my friends. And I said, and this is a prayer that I pray. It's like a, I don't know, a checkup kind of, you know, and I pray it and it's um, something I, I, I try to remember to pray, but I always pray that God put the right people in my life and take the wrong people out. And um, it's a prayer he'll answer. And sometimes it hurts my feelings, but, um, but he does it. He's faithful. And so for being a far away from home, I just realized like, God, I need the right people around me. And so what I've learned over the years and something that, like I said, it's, it's very important to me. And I, I share it with people is who you surround yourself with is um, so crucial to, to the, everything, to your calling, to the purpose that God has for your life, like for you to be able to carry out that calling. Um, it, I've heard it said that both blessing and curse comes from relationships. Like, you know, that's why it's so important to be a part of the body of Christ, because the body of Christ, you know, just like your finger can't do what your elbow does, but they all work together. They all need each other, you know? Um, and even though the finger's not directly connected to the elbow, they still have to work together and everybody in between. And that's how the body of Christ works. So when you surround yourself with the right people, they're going to speak truth into your life. They're going to um, hand you the resources that you need to get where you need to go and do what you need to do. And, and vice versa, you're going to be able to do the same for them. And especially when I'm talking to young people and like with my nieces and nephews, I explained to them, um, you know, you are the sum of your five closest friends. I think, I think it's Craig Rochelle, but I've heard say that. And um, he also says that um, if you, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And that is the truth. Any trouble or anything I've ever compromised I've ever had in my life, it's, I could pinpoint to who, what company was I keeping at that point, you know? Um, so I, I've learned a long time ago, you need three different people in your life. You need, um, you need someone pouring into you. You need someone that's um, ahead of it, ahead of you, whether you know spiritually, um, professionally, whatever whatever area you're looking at. Um, ideally, even if it's professional, you want them to be God counsel because um, you know doing business God's way is is the only way. Um, so you find someone that um, is ahead of you. So so you've got someone pouring into you. You've got someone mentoring you. Um, iron, you know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. So it's very important that the people that are alongside you are that, that iron, you know, the stuff that like, when, when you and I get together, we're going to encourage each other. We're going to speak life to each other. We're going to, um, you know, just be that iron that sharpens iron. And then at the same time, you know, there's people behind you that may be new believers that may be, um, just, um, new into the business that you've been in, whatever, you know, that you can pour into. And the way I, like, I'm very much a picture person and illustrations. And the way I, when I learned that years ago, what I saw was like a body of water. You know, if you have a pond and there's nothing coming into it and nothing going out of it, it gets stagnant. So if you have, if you want to be healthy and, and vibrant and, and, on your game, you know, you need to have that, you need to have that water pouring into, you need to have something coming in and you need to have, um, you know, a, a reservoir, you know, we minister from our overflow. We don't minister from being depleted. I mean, yes, we walk through those seasons, but for the overall, we minister from our overflow. So you need to have that tank full, but then you also need to be pouring in to others around you. So that water's coming out too. Does that make sense? 
Oh yeah, I, girl, I'm visual learner all day long. Same. And so mm -hmm. it, it really helps to be able to paint that picture. Did you know that October is National Women's Small Business Month? The entire month of October, we'll be bringing you episodes that celebrate the outstanding progress female entrepreneurs and leaders have made in our community. I can't wait to share each and every one of these women with you and their unique stories of how they're giving back and making a difference through the businesses they've worked so hard to build. How you go about getting in front of, you know, whether it's two or three people that are coming to stay at the Koi Tea, which we will talk more about that in a minute, or mm -hmm. if you're getting on a stage in front of, you know, hundreds of people to help them raise six figures for a nonprofit, that those are two very different, um, you know, situations you're in. But mm -hmm. I feel like self-confidence is such a big thing. And, and for women, you know, when we're stepping into something, just having that confidence but not getting too big for our britches, you know, like knowing where we yeah. stand on stuff. And um, I, I would just love it if you could share with us kind of how, how you go about that and preparing yourself to have the confidence to carry out these really different jobs that you do, mm -hmm. uh, but staying grounded at the same time. Well, um, so before I worked at the, the chamber, like seven years ago, I worked from home and I, um, I lived in Washington. I have a place down there in Washington, Oklahoma is just south of Norman. Nobody knows because everybody, nobody goes past Norman, I guess, but it's this little town down there. And I worked from home and I, I had um, some nonprofits that I managed and then I did my auction thing. But um, so basically I would go maybe three or four days without seeing a soul because I'd be at home working. And then I'd be on a stage in front of 800 to 1200 people on a Friday or Saturday night. And uh, that was hard to make that you go from being like a recluse and not seeing anybody just working behind a desk and then you know having to put on a ball gown and um be in front of a bunch of people and running the show so I remember trying to make that uh transition I'm like oh gosh this is two extremes you know how do I do this but um that was like and like I said that was weird it's different when you're being in front of people all the time and it, it's natural you know but to go from one extreme to the other I remember years ago being uh about to go on to a, a big auction it was a new event for me and I was so nervous and I just said and I do this a lot whether I'm asked to come speak somewhere or um you know if, if God's given me an auction because again I don't advertise I just and there's nothing wrong with advertising I'm not saying that but I'm only on referrals and word of mouth and that's how he's shown me how to do it but um I remember just saying God like I didn't ask for this you know like this is a really big one and I'm nervous you know and being able to realize, and this is whatever you're doing, whether, you know, whatever you're doing, you, there's always God's part and your part. And where the stress comes is when we're trying to do both parts, you know? So I tell people when I get up on a stage, like for me, I know that that's a gifting. I know that that's something God's given me and I need him to show up because if he doesn't show up, it's just Joni up there rattling off some numbers. You know, I need him to um, give me favor with him first and favor with man second. So I need him to make people want to spend their money, you know, because it's a greater cause that's there. I mean, we're trying to work for uh, an organization that's going to maximize their potential based on what for the year, based on what funds we do that night. So um, I can't do that. Like I'm one person. I can't make people bid. So I, um, I just, when, when I get nervous, when I get overwhelmed, 
whether it's, you know, trying to create a great experience at the cabin, at the Koiti, or um, getting on a stage and a lot of people are dependent on me to, to do my thing. Um, I just have to say, okay, God, like you called me here. I'm here and I'm thankful to be here, but I need you to show up. And I know like I'm, I'm going to do my work. I don't just show up and expect him to do everything. Like I'm going to practice. I'm going to do my homework on what I'm selling. I'm going to um, make those contacts with the audience and make sure I know a couple people out there or just some, you know, whatever my bag of tricks is like, I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to just willy nilly and ask God to make good of it. Um, I'm going to do my part, but then I'm going to have to depend on him to do his. And so when we realize that there's two different people here and two different roles and we just work on ours and let him be God, that takes a lot of stress off. And one year specifically, um, I was just really nervous and I was praying and I heard, you know, I've never heard an audible voice of God, but I hear it in my heart, you know, if, if sometimes you can put words to it. And one time I heard him say to me right before I'm on the stage, he said, cast your nets. House. it was so clear it was like cast your nets and so what I know is you know when the fishermen were fishing all they come in when the disciples were had been fishing all night not caught a thing in their own you know they were on their own they were just working in their own strength trying to catch fish well then Jesus gets in the picture and he tells them throw your nets on the other side and they're like well we've already been fishing all night there ain't any fish out here okay but Jesus said throw your nets, like, like cast your nets, throw your nets. And when Jesus said that they did it and he brought the fish. So, so many times. And so I knew what he meant when he said it, I was like, all right, I'm going to cast my nets. And I walked up there and I put the results into his hands. All I did was put my net out there and he brought the fish. And so there's been three different times that, um, in fact, just recently one, I was, it was a, not even an auction. It was a speaking engagement down in Lawton and I'm sitting there about to go on stage and I'm like, I, you know, it was a really big deal. And I thought, um, Lord, how am I going to do and bring what these people need? And I heard him say, cast your nets. So basically that means you leave the results up to me and you put your nets out there. So go do what I called you to do and leave the results to me. And that brings, that relieves so much stress and it puts everything into perspective and then you can just make it fun. And you do make it fun, honey. Oil collectors should hire you. I know you don't work for them, but people would get so much more excited if they saw, oh, I got this bill in the mail, but Joni Nash is going to tell me how yeah, to. I mean, she's going to ask that. me to give her some money. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, You're well, so funny. <laughs> Uh, well, Joni, whenever you're not, um, you know, auctioneering, you have the most beautiful place that you have opened up to people called the Koi Tea Ranch. And I'd love for you to tell us more about that and that business venture. Okay. Well, when I moved up here to Pasca, they, you know, recruited me to come up here to work this job. And that's a whole nother story. But, um, I did, and everybody thought I was crazy because Pasco was a ghost town at the time. And I'd get so mad when they used that word. I'm like, it is not a ghost town. And now I look back, I'm like, okay, well, it kind of was. But um, anyway, I couldn't find a place to live. And so I kept my house down in Washington. I'd go home on the weekends and I'd just live in an apartment up here. I lived on the, one of the local ranches. I lived in one of their, like their old house for their foreman, whatever it took. And some of those places were... Um, well, they tore down my last house I lived in. So they like, we've got to tear this down. So anyway, it was just kind of crazy. And so when I was at my wits end and just said, you know, God, I've been doing this for, I don't know, I think three or four years. And 
I, I'm like, I'm doing what I know to do. And the job itself was awesome. But as far as like place to live, it was just, I call it manna, you know, like it wasn't like, I'm like, I don't know. It was just what I needed. He provided what I needed, wasn't what I wanted, but it was what I needed to do. And I don't, I don't know if that was a testing ground. I don't know what that was. It was the first time I've ever stepped out feeling like I was doing something that God had called me to where provision just wasn't thrown at me. You know, sometimes when you're in the will of God, if you ask, if you got to be careful, because yes, for one, something you're going to get two. you know, he loves to bless his kids and, and obedience and all that. But this particular season, it was not that it was like, are you going to trust me? And I was just in this season of like, everybody thinking I'm crazy because I had a house, but I'm, you know, out here camping out for the week kind of thing. And right when I was at my wits end, um, and then they had told me they needed to tear down that house. I just said, God, I'm here because I believe that you want me to be here, but I don't have a place to live after the summer. So everything I've had tried to find had fallen through, you know, it's, it's a rural area. There's not a lot of real estate and there's not a lot of turnover. And so um, I was planning on going home at the end of the summer. Well, in that time, I'd driven by this one place, kind of just, I was coming home from a friend's house and I was frustrated and I saw this place and I just flippantly was like, why can't I find a place like that? And then I got onto myself because people were always trying to buy my house down in Washington because they knew I wasn't there full time and it would make me so mad. And so I felt like I'd just done that to these people in my head. You know, these poor people didn't even know I'm just driving by their house saying I want that house. And um, so I've got onto myself a little bit. And then the next day or no, the next couple of days, it was within the week. Uh, a friend called me and said, Joni, I got you a ranch you can buy. And I was thinking, I am not buying a ranch. I'm going back where I came from. I ain't got no place to live here. I'm going home. And he told me the name of it or he told me the people that owned it. And I was like, I don't I don't know them. And he's like, Joni, the half-ass ranch. Well, I knew it as the half-ass ranch because they raised miniature burros. They had ran cows but they ran miniature birds. So um, that was the name of this place. It was the half-ass ranch. I'm not making that up. So I'm like, oh, well, it kind of startled me because that was the place I had just driven by. And I was like, why can't I find a place like that? The place was not for sale. And that's how real estate moves up here. It doesn't go for sale. You just word of mouth. And so it kind of startled me actually. And um, long story short, um, I was able to make a deal with this husband and wife that was selling it never went on the market people were like what how'd you do that I'm like well because I lived in camps I lived in tents for three years you know but um and they made me take the donkeys they were like if you'll take the donkeys they've lived here a long time so for the longest time I was the crazy ass lady because I had like four or five donkeys and um you know I never wanted to get a bunch of cats and I look out one day and I see a bunch of donkeys looking you know so um I'm down to two but it's no longer the crazy or the half S ranch is the Koi T ranch. The uh, Koi T or Koi is a five generation name in my family. And I thought, you know, if I get, I am going to get married. So when I get married, um, my husband, if we decide to live here, I think that would be like emasculating for him to live at the Nash ranch, you know, bless his heart. So I was like, I don't want to name it that. And so I, I prayed, I was like, Oh, what do I name this? And I couldn't come up with a name. Sally Trentman said, um, Sally Tr Trentman Ranch is a big ranch up here. And Miss Sally said, Joni, don't worry. It's going to come to you. You know, you'll be on the place one day and there'll just be an attribute about it. And it's going to stick out to you. You'll come up with a name. And so I literally one night I was like, God, my parents are coming in two weeks. I want to surprise them with like, you know, a picture of an overhead or something like I want to have a name by then. I lay down at night. I saw my dad's signature. My dad's name is Tommy Nash. But I, I saw, he signs everything, Koi T. Nash, and, um, or C.T. Nash, but I saw it, and I thought, Koi. 
Koi in the English language, I know like as um, in the English language, it's a, it's an adjective. It means like shy, reserved, you know, sly, but I didn't know what it meant as a, as a given name. So the next morning I Googled it and it means still quiet woods. Mm. And um, so then the next day I was in town, I was talking to some cowboys and I was like, what do y'all think about the Koi Tea Ranch? And they were like, girl, that's some cowboy stuff right there. You know, which, you know, that's not exactly what they said. But um, I was like, yeah, it is cowboy stuff. <laughs> so, anyway, that's how the Koi Tea got its name. And I, I had a friend help me with the overhead. So we torched the, the half-ass ranch sign. I pulled that down and gave it to Mr. Barnes. And so I was like, you can take this and put it in your house. And then um, I had a friend, Luke. Um, Kenyon and Luke Lomax then they helped me build an overhead and I was able to surprise my folks when they come to visit and so you see now the Koi Tea Ranch when you pull up so it's a five generation name and then if I get married and live here my husband doesn't feel like he's Mr. Nash <laughs> you are so so thoughtful and I can't wait to actually come and and stay at the Koi Tea um, but girl you've been booked I, I mean I've been trying to get on the list for certain weekends you know to um, go along with when we normally come to Pahuska for the big roping and stuff like that but um, God has been faithful and kept that place booked yes I so it's so that so I'm trying not to tell these long stories so I won't but um about two years ago, I thought, you know what, I want to put a cabin on this place. Like I could, uh, you know, put a different drive, have some people come, you know, and I'd, I'd be able to take, I like the host. Um, hospitality is one of my, like, I think it's one of my giftings. It's something I love to do. I hope I want to be good at it. Um, and I had that idea. Well, I mentioned it to a friend of mine and he said, Joni, cause I said, do I build one? Do I bring one in? And he said, Joni, um, there's another option you hadn't thought of. And I said, what? And he told me that um, the neighboring ranch, um, the gentleman, he lived out of state or out of town, but he had passed away and they were going to sell, break up the ranch and sell it. And so I thought, what in the world? So long story short, I was able to get the hundred year old cabin and 40 acres and it, it, it split. Like I can see its roof from mine, but there's a gravel road between the two. Mm -hmm. so but I mean like I could drive an ATV to it you know and I it's good too because uh it's it gives that those people their privacy so um so my acreage that I live on here isn't connected to the, the cabin but you could throw a rock and hit it so it, it works out good but it was more than what I thought and um that's a whole nother God story that I was just amazed at but sometimes you need God to make things clear that it's him because it gives you the confidence to to um to go forward and so for me to take on a um you know another mortgage <laughs> and to step out and add that to my place I needed um I needed confirmation and he made that very clear and I was able to obtain that and I dedicated it to God I was like God I don't need a house I have a house so if you're going to bless me with this like it's got to be for a reason and I want to be a good steward of it and I have been so amazed at the guests that God has brought me. Um, it's been booked every weekend since I opened last September. I had like Christmas weekend open. And then there, of course, during our ice storm, I had to cancel people because it froze up. But um, it's been full. And, and then during our, our high tourism months, it, the weeks have been full. But the people that God are bringing me is bringing me is like these husband and wives that 
and they'll tell me on the back end. I don't know what going into it, but they'll text me and say, oh my gosh, my husband and I haven't had a weekend together in 14 years. Like the, one of the most extreme ones was um, they hadn't had a weekend together in 14 years. They've had 40 foster kids and they were like, this weekend saved our marriage. I'm not exaggerating. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. And the other one was um, this lady that messaged me after they stayed. And she said, my husband just got in, he's been deployed. He'd been on a, he's a, a nurse in the military. He'd been on a COVID unit. I teach second grade. We needed this weekend together. They were from out of state also. Um, and so it's so cool. And then also I've had probably three or four single women come where um, one of them was just widowed. Um, two of them had gone through a divorce. Uh, I don't know what the fourth one situation was, but she just said that she needed time alone with God. I've had a pastor and his wife come, um, you know, I'm so, and I pray over that place. And I just pray that when people are there, that they feel the spirit of the Lord there, that they, um, cause you can, when you go into someone's house, like, you know, like my grandma's house was like that. When I went into her house, like I knew Jesus was there, you know, and I've always, I want people to feel like that when they come into to my home or to my cabin and, um, you know, I want people to leave a place, leave my place better than they were when they came. So um, that's why I pray over that cabin over and over. And I want it to be a place of rest for people. And, you know, it's not the fanciest place. There's fancier places to stay. And if the fancy is what you want, like I might send you somewhere else, but I try to make it excellent, you know, in, um, in every way, like spiritually, physically, all of that. And I'm just in awe that, you know, again, when God opens a door and calls you into something he's got reason behind it and it's far greater than you and the other day I was cleaning it and I just was like god you could have given me this cabin not I lived here you know it's just this one bedroom cabin it's so tiny and I actually asked for it five years before I had it and that man laughed at me and he's like no it'll never be for sale not even when I die and I'm like okay okay that's fine um well now I have it but God had bigger purposes than me. You know, we're blessed to be a blessing. And so I'm so in awe of the people that he brings there and that it's used for a greater purpose than what I would have thought, you know, I'm talking your ear off this morning. No, I, I love it. I'm just like, I, I don't want this call to end. Um, you just have so much to, to offer and, and share with us. And we, we didn't even dive into how you manage it all and do everything. You've got God at the forefront, you know, you're asking him and then you know, you're, you're a cowgirl. You, uh, when, when you're not doing all the business things, I mean, you team rope, you breakaway rope, you've, you know, entered women's ranch rodeos. You were a rodeo queen back in the day. <laughs> um, we, we, we both know how that can give a girl a set of skills that she will use the girl, rest of yes, her life. Um, I, I love that. And, and I'm, I'm going to step off here and guess that's how you met Lacey Dale. Um, yep. Okay. Yep. Fort Smith, our first out-of-state rodeo, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Yeah, I came up uh, to her and I was like, um, I'm thinking about coming to out-of-state to Oklahoma, so I'm probably going to be picking your brain. And she was a good voice for me because when everybody back home was like, what are you doing? That's crazy. You're going to leave your family. You're going to leave all this, blah, blah, blah. And I'd call Kat Lacey and I'm like, okay, you're on the other side. Like, I need to hear that. I need you to be a cheerleader and she would she'd be like you can do this Joni come on it'll be fun I'll introduce you to people yeah so she was that's how I met her through the rodeo queen stuff yes that will bring um just a western way of life will bring so many you know good I feel like rich relationships um to you and and those friends like you said that'll be the cheerleader and um you know, through all your cowgirl stuff, whether it was back in Georgia or Oklahoma or somewhere in between, Joni, what, what's the wildest thing you've ever had to patch together with duct tape, baling <laughs> wire, or bungee cords? 
<laughs> oh lord mercy i think that's such a fun question well um immediately it makes me flash back to uh being in college and i was carrying flags uh down at the american airlines center in dallas for um back when they did the tour stops you know for the prca and it was the dallas stampede and uh and I'm not the only girl, like, I bet you there's girls listening to like, yes, I had to do the same thing. So Harry Bold, you know, the black horses, well, they have the white saddles and those white saddles are beautiful. But if you get real close, you know, you might realize that some of them are put together with um, creative means. And I had some, um, something break right before going out. And so there was duct tape involved and lots of it. And so um, we had a stirrup put together with duct tape and the fender, all of that. I mean, it was all put together. And I thought, you know, your nerves are there anyway, because you know, you're about to have to ride out in the dark in the spotlight and a televised audience. And now there's duct tape involved. So I'll never forget that. And there was a lot of prayers there too. But yeah, the, um, the infamous white saddles of Mr. Harry Bowles. Uh, but like I said, I know I'm not alone. I know there'll be girls who's like, yeah, me too. You know, so yeah, you just you part of not. it you are not alone uh for sure i have ridden in those white saddles myself and you know what goes on behind the scenes just to get the girls in the arena on those horses um to look as beautiful <laughs> as they do there's a lot going on back there uh always <laughs> for sure um well joni i have just thoroughly enjoyed getting to visit with you this morning and just hear your heart and um i I want us to wrap this up by you sharing, you know, what the cowgirl state of mind means to you. Well, I, when I, you know, it asked me that question and I just thought, you know, I think so much of it, well, if somebody calls you a cowgirl, like you immediately are like, well, I want to be, you know, like, it's like, is it something you ever, you feel like you, if it's something you ever feel like you've truly attained because mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a standard, you know, and it's, you never arrive, you know, it's just, it's living by that standard and it's um, kind of a, a code of ethics, if you will, in my mind. So there's just a constant um, adhering to you're living by you're you're operating within like a certain code of ethics and values and standards. And so, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a state of mind, like you said, and it's, it's a being, you know, you, you never just wake up one day and you're like, I'm a cowgirl you're, you're, you're always working that, you know, you're, you're always striving to improve yourself to, um, you know, I, I think if I were to put words to it, it's uncommon integrity, you know, be, I love when I'm at like, you know, a ranch rodeo or a roping or whatever, and you're with your girlfriends, even in the practice band, you're with your girlfriends and, and they're, they want to see you do your best. I remember even this at Miss Rodeo America, you know, I had such a good, good group of girls and they all literally were for each other. So I think part of that, that cowgirl state of mind is that you were for the girl to your left and you were for the girl to your right. And you're never competing against them. You're only responsible for bringing your best and whatever that looks like that day. And so it costs you absolutely nothing to cheer them on and want the best for them. And so that's part of that code of ethics. It's part of that uncommon integrity. Um, you know, and just working hard and living big and making the, the people around you better and their lives better by whatever you have in your hands. Does that make sense? Oh, I, yes, I'm over here just tickled to death, honestly. I'm just smiling, you know, ear to ear right now because um, it is, it's that uncommon integrity that you just described. And and I love being a cowgirl, but but like you said, it's it's one of those things that you 
you never fully, you know, arrive. Um, it's just, it's a state of mind and, and you're always trying to be better and encourage those around you. And um, you, you do that, Joni Nash, you're doing it. You are using um, where God puts you to do that. And, and I love how people, people are going to look at you and know like, Hey, that's a cowgirl, you know? And, and so just thank, thank you for, for being with us today and, and sharing bits and pieces of your story. And um, if people would like to connect with you, how can they do that? Well, I am on social media. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just like on uh, Instagram. It's just Miss Joni Nash. And then, oh, my koi tea stuff. <laughs> so yes. I'm on, I'm on uh, my cabin. I have a little Instagram. I mean, I, I could do better, but, um, and I will, I'll, I'll get there. Uh, but the cabin on the koi tea is the name of the Instagram. And then Facebook, I think it's the koi tea ranch. Perfect. Um, well, Joni, thank you so much. And um, I look forward to, you know, getting to visit with you again real soon and getting a weekend at the Koi Tea myself. Oh, I would love, 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 love that. Thank you for spending your time with me on the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. I'm so glad y'all stopped by. If you could take a moment to share this episode and tag us on social media, I'd be happier than a cowgirl and a sea of buy one, get one vintage turquoise. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. New episodes will be released bi-monthly. Please leave us a review if you feel so led by going to iTunes. Your feedback will really help us breed the idea of grabbing life by the horns with a cowgirl state of mind into women across the globe. Some that may have never even had the privilege to throw their leg over a horse, but could most certainly use the cowgirl state of mind while navigating life. Thanks again, y'all. Until next time, keep pursuing your dreams with that all go and no woe mentality. Remember, you're writing a story that's worth saddling up for, sister. Sister.